Hey there, welcome to the Creative Metaverse Podcast, formerly known as the Game Artist Podcast. My name is Ryan Kingsline, and I'm the CEO of Vertex School, where we train creatives for the career of their lives. In this podcast, we interview amazing creatives and artists working in film, games, and building the metaverse right now. So sit back, relax, and enjoy. Okay, all right, welcome, guys. Thank you for being here and for going through the little bit of the delay there. I have Guillaume with me, and Guillaume, you were with uh, Kios Masons, right? That's right. Awesome. So there's a lot of stuff I want to talk about, you know, because you've got a lot of beautiful work, stylized work with the Fortnite. You've done some tutorials, Shardbound. Shardbound, I've seen a lot of really cool artists work mm-hmm. come out of that. And it was a real kind of interesting project. So I'm going to want to know all about that. But first, tell me a little bit about what you do, just so people understand, because you're a character artist and art manager. Yeah. So an art manager slash character artist. So my job is to build a rapport and a relationship with a client. We have many, many clients. And I also lead a team. So I have to teach and nurture new talent to make sh- in true production. So to help them out through commercial aspect mm-hmm. and also you have to understand the art direction and the needs of the client it's pretty challenging to move back and forth to realism and stylized and uh something stressful is i have to make sure that nobody's blocked in the team everybody has something to do everybody understands what to do and transferring data when at the end of the when a character is approved i have to move away the zbrush the substance files also, like things you, you don't usually think about is baking files so that if the client yeah. ever decides to change anything, they have it a real easy access to it. Got it. Yeah, because Substance doesn't store that right in it, right? Yeah, that's right. All yeah. right. Yeah. And, and Kios Masons does a, a lot, right? You said the uh, realism, stylized. So tell me a little bit about Kios. Like, this is kind of a small company, large company. You guys uh, doing freelance work? How's this, how's this work? Yeah, we're French people, so we thought it would be pronounced chaos, but we realized <laughs> after it's actually pronounced chaos, so we're dealing with this right now. So, <laughs> so should I call it Chaos Masons? Please do. Okay, I will. <laughs> so it was founded by two of my friends, Cédric Seo and Marco Plouffe, who yeah. are some of the best people in the industry. They're incredibly mm-hmm. fast and talented. Mm-hmm. And they decided to open two be uh, handling outsourcing by ourselves and be closer to the client. So, yeah. So you guys are larger than 10, larger than 20 artists all working on projects? Yeah, we're a lot. I can tell you my responsibility is is, uh, Epic and uh, a little game called Fortnite. Mm -hmm. A little game. Yeah, I don't know if you've heard about it. Just about every kid in the neighborhood, I keep, I tell the I tell the parents I work in games, and they're like, "Oh, you know Fortnite?" And I'm like, "Yeah, that's right." If I cross like a couple of kids on the street, ninety percent chance they're they're actually talking about Fortnite. So that's completely amazing. Yeah, so, yeah that is. That, it's done so much, you know. And so, are you guys actually developing full characters for that? Are you? I see two. I see props. I see a bunch of stuff in in here so what else are you doing for fortnite we're doing skins so skins yeah we usually don't do faces you see yeah. you can see all the skins we do on chaos mason the one we can show right now but the ones i show on my portfolio are the ones i contributed for i mean personally 
like ZBrush wise, but I art manage uh, most of them. So yeah, my responsibility is also to review work. So that's what's cool with our company is before the client sees it, usually I'll look at it and make sure it's up to standards. So there's like two levels of approval before it, it gets to the client. What are those standards? Because there's a couple of ways that we could approach this topic, and I'm glad you kind of brought that up. One of my neighbors runs a, a game studio in town, mm-hmm. and he was talking about how his artists will work to, in his words, they work to portfolio, which is they try to make it look as awesome as possible, and they'll spend, and he was kind of upset, not upset, he was just talking about how an artist would spend an entire day on the shoes or and getting shoelaces in a shooter where you're yeah. never going to be looking at the feet. Mm-hmm. Right. Yeah. So that's a waste of his dollars, the company dollars, basically. Yeah. yeah. You know, and he wanted to get artists to work to what he said, what he called to work to project. Right. But a lot of us here are trying to get jobs and a big part of people I deal with is people trying to get jobs. So how far do we take stuff? And at what point are we taking it sideways and it's becoming a little narcissistic about our talent? And at what point are we giving the information to recruiting people that we're actually working to project? We can do it within a timely way, but still make it awesome. Do you understand yeah. where I'm going with that? Yeah, yeah, of course. Yeah. So that's like well, the dilemma. So what are the standards that help you know that's been met and has somebody hasn't gone overboard? So you're talking about a rule where 80% of the result is 20% of the work. I don't know if you know mm, about this I rule. Totally. Yeah, 80-20, yeah. totally. Yeah. So it's good to know as a personal artist that, you know, imagine somebody's painting a giant painting, it'll block out the sky. And, and in a couple of hours, you'll have a scene and then you'll spend days and days on the little grass and the, the right. windows and the little people. But your question is sometimes you don't have a choice. Sometimes the art director is the one who will decide if you spend all the time on shoelaces. Yeah. But me personally, when we're, we're looking at at a Fortnite character, I work on the big picture. I'm making sure that we usually zoom out and that this detail is readable from afar. Is it vibrant? Is it clean? Is there silhouette breaks? Is there material difference all over your model? And that's all I can do. After that, if the client wants to pixel fuck it, sorry the term, but <laughs> it, it, it's it's his choice. But those rules you have to know as a to get results in a uh, in timely matter, that's where you have to, to focus. Big picture. It. Okay, and then what about, let's say, for example, if we just look at the shin guards on this guy, how do you know how far to take something like that? Because you've got, you know, it's there's detail in it, but it's relatively simple. You don't have engraving, you don't have extra detail in there. How You know, is this concept that's just being given to you or do you have some leeway that tells you yes or no? Yeah, usually the concept is king. You try to follow the design as close as possible, mm-hmm. show the client, and then we go from there. If it's not working visually or sometimes rigging-wise, there's some parts that won't deform well, so we'll have to tweak the design to uh, to maybe leave more rest for the, 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 the pivots, like the, the, the wrist or the ankles, for them to deform. Yeah. Got it. And then how far do you take the ZBrush sculpt now? Because I feel like this is one of the things that's moving and changing a bit. And less, obviously less so for character, infinitely yeah. more so for environment. Yeah. But how far do you take the ZBrush or the digital sculpt versus what you do in substance or just texturing? Usually in our technique, we 
to try to put as much in the ZBrush as possible. But I see more and more the substance is pretty crazy about adding fine details. But yes, so primary shape, secondary shape in the ZBrush, but then like tertiary or even the fourth level of details, which would I say pores or fabrics, this is added in substance. Got it. But the stitching, the stitching you do, even though technically stitchings can be done in substance. Yeah. It's usually what I tell my students is it's just sexy in the zero. <laughs> it's it is sexy. That's a good word. Yeah. So you might as well, you know, especially for your portfolio. And also you'll ex- you'll extract an occlusion and a cavity and all sorts of depth that you know, if you're really good at hand painting, maybe you can do it. But I prefer to sculpt it by hand. Got it. That makes a lot of sense. Uh-huh. And you guys are doing character and props. That's right. Great. But and, I have to I have to give big props. Like I put everybody's name for the Fortnite assets. Yeah. Because it's a team effort. So you know, there was a controversy just a little while ago, actually, where an artist kind of posted. They were just kind of like, "Hey, I'm going to post my artwork up," and it was really beautiful. Yeah. <laughs> so I think it was an environment, and somebody got on there and like, "You didn't make that. The 20 other guys made that with you." And it was a big, huge blow up. You know. Yeah. But it's it's a problem now because there's so many people that work, and sometimes you don't even know who worked on it, especially if you're an outsourcer and yeah. you're not in that team. So how important is that to be crediting and, and doing all of that, or how do we deal with it now? I try, I do my best to ask the other artists, but yeah. I might forget somebody. But the big point of this is it's hard for an employer to gauge your level as an artist. So I think yeah. personal work, it's key for those kind of things. Like show your professional work for sure, but you have to make sure that you can show your level of something you did from scratch. That makes sense. I remember a friend of mine, Melissa Altabello, she was at Naughty Dog for 10 years and she was telling me she moved to Sucker Punch and she had to do two art tests. Wow. Yeah, and I, I tell people this story because people are, you know, sometimes you'll see online, people will say, you know, this is the only industry that, you know, you have to work so hard to get a job. You got to take art tests. And, I, and I'm like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> That's yeah. you know, but you can go be a programmer. I mean, you know, you can do yeah. that if you want, but uh, that's good to hear. I mean, in his personal work, something, it is obviously something you stay up on quite a bit too. It's my oxygen. It's my bread and butter. I always, I'm working on something new. I mean, I think you're the same. Like we're very driven by all of this, by mm-hmm. just improving and getting better and the industry has been so good and patient with me and my peers so i try to also teach through my personal projects now that's great and what kind of feedback are you getting from that because one of the things that's kind of key to my my career i i guess if you could call what i do a career yeah i've always given back and that's built up so much of a connection with community and it's kind of key to who I am. I, I have to do that, but it's been, I think one of the things that's really helped me. And so I'm looking, you know, like, let's say if we were to take a look at that, the uh, marvelous designer breakdown you do for the Jedi. That's right. We're looking at that and I'm looking at this 2,230 likes. How impactful has it been for you to be producing these breakdowns and, and sharing like this? You mean impactful to other people? Well, I mean, yes, I I guess what we should do, because I was actually more a little bit motivated in in the self-interest. 
because yeah. I'm trying to get my students to do this and I want to make sure that they see the benefits. So yeah, how impactful to other people, but really how impactful to you? That's funny. So I'll be honest. The, yeah. One of the reasons why I started putting tutorials on is when you publish something on ArtStation, there's a little thing in the corner saying, did you know that you get 30% more likes if you have breakdowns of everything? Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. that's exactly where I got the idea. Yeah. But since then, like just, just, you, you know, teaching is the best learning, really. The fact that when I start a project, I'm planning on teaching an aspect of it. Mm-hmm. It makes me learn at the same time and it makes me reflect on my own technique and how I should approach things. So of course it gives me a lot. Yeah. That's great. So along those lines, Has it helped in any specific way in terms of careers or or job offers or or different things? Actually, I've I've never heard of anybody benefiting from from my tutorial, but I'm sure it does. I'm sure it influenced some people at some point. Must have been, right? Like, we never know. Like, Ryan, you've been helping me through my entire career, and you you don't even know about it. (laughs) I have examples, like, we can talk about later, but... You had, awesome. you had a great impact on, on my life. Oh, man. Sure. That's yeah. awesome. If we're looking at this texture breakdown, texture is something that I think is really, it's kind of one of those undone things for a lot of yeah. people getting into this industry. It's like everybody gets in and they're like, I'm a sculptor. Nowhere uh-huh. is the word texture with sculptor. Uh-huh. How important is it for people to master texturing and to, to do that? It's really important. So I can talk about a, a life lesson. Yeah. Um, I moved to California in 2015 to work in Palo Alto in a little, in a little company that doesn't exist anymore called Artillery, where we were going to make the next MOBA and become a billionaires. But it didn't work out, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and I have to say, when I left there, I had strong sculpting skills or yeah. medium to strong. Anyway, that was what I knew how to do. And I faced a wall when I got there because I've heard a lot about color team and composition and texturing, even and painting. And I, I did not know how to do any of this. Mm-hmm. And it was a, a great learning tool. So one of the reasons why I did the project we're looking at, the Flying Pig, mm-hmm. is I was overwhelmed for a long time about texturing. But yeah. like you remember, texturing used to be a pain in the ass. But now that Substance Painter came in, it's like I had to wait for the tools to grow for me to really focus on it, because do you remember we used to, when we were painting texture, we had the Photoshop, paint on mm-hmm. Photoshop, save yep. it, and then see what happens in 3D, and then back and forth and back and forth. And you couldn't see uh, your metalness, you had to render things. Even like fixing a seam was really, really hard. Yeah. So now the tools are here, and I just wanted to share how I break down my thing because even now texturing can be completely overwhelming. So I broke down everything, my value, color, gradient, material, where, and now you have to make sure that you follow those steps or any steps you think are right, or you're going to end up like completely lost and just change values and not sure where you're going with it. Yeah, that's great. And one of the things, because color can be incredibly overwhelming. So one of the things that I think is great about this flying pig is you have color, but you broke it down into color, gradient, detail, painting, and then material, which is really getting you that specular reflective value, as you say, right? 
And so it's really those three things that are painting, so to speak, or color, texture. Yeah. So Talk to me about the gradient, because this is something that I see come up, especially if you're working in stylized, it's a little bit more obvious, but it's, it's relevant across the board. But the gradient is the thing I think people miss. Uh-huh. They're just thinking flat color, and then they're thinking cloudy noise. What does uh-huh. it mean, gradient? Gradient to me is something very pleasing. It draws the eye to the face or to the upper part of your character. Mm-hmm. You don't see this in real life, but it gets me at the core. I, I think it's because like when you look at somebody, you focus on the face and the rest is a bit blurry. So if you darken those areas, it makes you focus more on, on the important aspects. I think also I read somewhere in the Dota art that usually if you have little breakups of materials, that's okay. You don't have to use gradient. But for bigger parts that are zones of rest, it's nice mm-hmm. to have a breakup, which is a gradient. And it's interesting because it's not PBR. Yeah, you're right. I'm not trying to recreate materials perfectly. I'm trying mm-hmm. to represent the feel of it. So, you know, I broke down my, my things by gold, leather, plastic, and then I play with those aspects. I want it to be understandable as a material, but yeah. I don't want to be like linked by a, like a real texture of leather because it might be too busy. So yeah, I balance my things overall. So you're right. It's not PBR. And I didn't want it to be PBR. I think, uh, you know, we're trying to get the best of both worlds right now. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I have a problem with like commercial movies or anything where they make something super stylized and then they try to have super realistic textures on top of it. And it, it doesn't always work. So what is it that really sells a texture for you? If you're looking at somebody's portfolio, what helps you see that they know what the hell they're talking about and they're not just, you know, throwing on some some ZBrush poly paint? If you go back to the tutorial, you started with color, but I think the most important thing is value. Uh, And still now, it's like, I'll repeat myself over and over again. The first thing I did was to put value on my character and Mm. make sure that there's a nice range of black to white and and a nice like value in between and make sure that the pure you you know you try to stay away from pure black or pure white but if you have to put some you put them in very small places and draw the attention and you have to remember to always keep mind of this i'll usually if i use substance i'll put a layer on top of everything in grayscale so Mm -hmm. i'll always be able to go back to this so I think I'm not the most qualified to talk about like realistic materials and make them sing. But to me, it's those basic rules that I'll try to follow till the end. And hopefully I'll be able to push other aspects of my artwork soon. Mm. Yeah. When you're looking at people and evaluating whether or not they're, you know, job candidates, let's say, mm-hmm. how much are you looking at their technical preparation, their topology, all of that stuff. It's funny. I'll I'll, I'll preface with saying I'm not hiring people. That's not usually what I do. So Mm -hmm. I can tell you just what I like about people's work in general. Judging an artist is really hard and their work is maybe 40 to 60% of why you hire somebody, really. If that means anything, it's just attitude and how they're going to learn. But 
I can say that if I look at somebody's work and I think they're not ready yet, it's, it's usually a question of them going into too small details before the big shapes are, are done. That's, mm. that's the, that's the first step that, you know, an artist has to still work before they can join the industry, really. That makes a lot of sense. So yeah. making sure that the way they're thinking about it, mm-hmm. you know, is something that you can train as opposed yeah. to somebody who's like, okay, now I'm, I don't even have a cheekbone, but I'm sculpting the wrinkles under the eye. Yeah, you went through this. We all made that mistake. It's, yeah. it's very like rewarding to do details, but you have to just snap out of it. All right. So you don't necessarily hire, but you do train artists. That's right. And you kind of manage like a lead artist, so to speak. Yeah managing them to help them grow and things like that. What do you recommend for people when you see that they're not fully up to date on texturing? What do you recommend? How do you onboard them to to increase their skill? Well, the human race has been looking for those kind of troubles forever. So there's a lot of people way smarter than us that ask themselves those questions and had a lifetime to learn from their mistake. So there's a lot of books out there and treat you know 3d is a young medium but painting and drawing and sculpting as it's the same uh, it's the same aspects it's the same problem solving so we can talk later about some of the documentation i think people should read or Mm -hmm. what they can work on i think something that helped me a lot with my observation and anatomy and simplification is years and years of figure drawing yes like that kicks your ass like when you you have and like you know it it usually starts with a minute pose and five minutes and 30 minutes and when you're doing like 30 one minute pose you understand or you realize slowly that observation has to be worked a lot that we're all Mm. fairly lazy and then you have that you get that like visual grid in your mind that is the eye aligning with the knee is the knee aligning with the you know, you, 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 you just calculate every time. You become a little computer. That makes a lot of sense, actually. And, um, and that is something that I, I think from years of figure drawing, you know, I don't think you can overestimate the importance of that. You know, mm-hmm. just trying to work fast, not fast and sloppy, but fast and but productive. Yeah. You know, and that's a question that I come to frequently with the CG side of this, too, is because there's so many pieces of software. Mm-hmm. You can go so deep. I mean, Marvelous Designer, one of my students actually went off and he works in the fashion industry. So he came in for a character artist boot camp and he really excelled in Marvelous Designer. And that was one of the things that was really, and, you know, he had a roommate or a friend that was working at a sprint or somewhere like that and ended up getting a job. And now he kind of leads a lot of their digital efforts. And uh, it's a totally different job than character, right? Mm-hmm. And so, you know, we were on the forum because we have our own uh, community and everybody was asking like, hey, do you know how to make patterns? And he was like, I'm not a pattern maker. And I'm looking at him like, these are pretty amazing patterns. What the hell do you mean you're not a pattern maker? Right? Yeah. And he's like, well, I mean, I'm not a pattern maker. Like there's actually scientists that make patterns out of um, Clio, which is the, the other version of Marvelous Designer. And they're hardcore this much millimeters, this particular curve, and it's going to cause the fabric to billow out. And you can go deep. In oh, all yeah. Incredible. Marvelous is, uh, is magic, really. Yeah. yeah. 
And all of these programs, because I mean, even with uh, substance, so my students could be like, okay, I'm a little substance painter. And then they're like, well, I don't really have a wood that I like. Let me go into substance designer. And now I'm going to make wood from scratch. And now I'm not going to, I'm going to make like old wood and I'm going to yeah. make oak and then I'm going to make teak. And How mm-hmm. deep do you have to go or how do you modulate this? Well, it's one of the questions I've heard you ask other people in your, your question, like what advice would you give an artist? And I think, I think, If you incline to it, I think pushing those kinds of skills other than just be a great sculptor, which are many of into substance designer or, or or you said marvelous designer or even low polys. Yeah. I've heard you say that many times. Like those tools are great and they'll, they'll open doors for you for sure. That's great. Yeah. I got into a bit of trouble. I think Pixelogic stopped talking to me for a little bit. (laughs) Oh, no. For a video where, you know, arguably I, I was a little aggressive. I said, is ZBrush dead? Oh, no. <laughs> so that was probably could have been rephrased. But, um, you know, the question is, you'd, everybody stays focused in ZBrush. And I see it yeah. so often with my students that, you know, it's like such a small part of the process for a lot of the industry. I love Marvelous, but I feel like it's it's like trying to catch water like if you try to catch water i'll go through you sometimes i'm just trying to get exactly what i want and it doesn't work and at some point i just i give up and i i sculpt you see there's a lot of sculpting in there and that's just the way i am like a pattern is is really hard to do like a, a jeans pocket if you missed your your chance you 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 can't just push a part of your pattern everything has to be like um realign and re recut. So I think Marvelous is a specialty. I think if you want to go into this, you can go deep. But a bit like you were saying about anatomy, I think it's all, also a, a crux. Like at some point, no, knowing too much, you'll forget about other things. Like it, it's, it's also nice to be well-rounded, if that right. makes sense. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I think one of the things that um, is so powerful about about programs like ZBrush and I mean, Blender is pretty powerful sculptor, but I don't think much compares to ZBrush. You can just get in and brute force so That's much. Right. And that actually is an, un, I think personally, like I spend a lot of time training my students on the techs and I, and I want them to master marvelous. And, you know, one of my students, Milton Katagen, he did this samurai and he had the, the gi kind of pulled up with these straps. So he's got the gi pulling up and folding like mad and it's, and the strap mm-hmm. is full. And I mean, it took this guy three weeks to figure that out. Mm-hmm. Long ass time. Results mm-hmm. are beautiful. Yeah. But three weeks probably is not something you have in a production budget. <sighs> well, yeah, no. Well, it might work if it's reused. But if I talk about my own experience, I can say that maybe two times a year, I'm all positive and I'm going to do a project and marvelous and I'm just going to be <laughs> 100% marvelous and it's going to be amazing. And then I, I always end up the same way. I'm going to do a nice base and then I'm going to sculpt the rest because it's going to be faster and I'm going to have more control. But yeah. I think I'm confident that Mar- you know, Marvel is going to get better and they'll, they'll find a way to have like default things that will be able to adjust and get the exact, the exact result you want. Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. It was so new, you know, and that, but that's, there's so much software that we have to learn and it's all getting so much better. And there's so much time that it takes to learn these things. And what is it that artists need to focus on the most to specifically just help them get jobs? 
software-wise? Well, just in general. Just in I mean, general. even if it's not software, because I think sometimes software is the problem. Well, I, I can talk about like portfolio. What I think is you no know, presentation. Mm-hmm. Presentation takes you a long way, and it's not done enough. Like you know, posing a character, like the mm-hmm. important of posing. And if you think of the the amount of time it takes you to pose a character versus the time it took to model and texture it and low poly and everything, it's yeah. it's minimal. You probably did the same thing. We can work on a character for six months and the client will say, eh. and then you put, you did a little contrapost or you put the head, the, the, the end on the hip. And mm. then, oh, it's, it's amazing. Ship it. Like it, it's really <laughs> important. That's funny. I actually remember Neville Page saying the exact same yeah. thing, you know, cause he'd started out sculpting just kind of not T, but a pose characters. Yeah. And then you're working with directors, you yeah. know, and, yeah, I think at one point he had Steven Spielberg over his shoulder and it's like, they don't know how to interpret an eighth post figure. They're just like, yeah, it looks okay. You know, yeah. so he, he had to put life into it. And then once that happened, man, he's gangbuster. He was getting yeah. hired left, right, and center. Yeah. I can also say, tell a story to your character or your environment. Mm-hmm. It's incredibly important. And if you see my personal projects, there's usually more than one character. And that's on purpose. Mm. It, it tells you a story, it tells you a relationship between two characters. If it's one character, usually it will end up be a like hero pose. And right. you know, hero pose is cool, but personally it, it doesn't tell me much about what's happening. Yeah, that makes character. a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. Presentation, I think that's an interesting thing to kind of focus on because I've heard that multiple times. But then the question becomes, I think, you know, how far do we take it? Is contrapposto okay? And I've had some students kind of struggle getting the contrapposto to, to even just kind of fit right. Do you have any kind of rules that you use for this? Because I see you've got quite a, a variety. You've got your Jedi who's in full action mode, almost yeah. collectible. Yeah. And then you got your soldier and your robot that are in a little bit more contrapposto. Yeah. I'm not sure if I understand the, the, the struggle, but I can say, I, you know, Ryan, I found another way you helped me recently. It's your mm-hmm. um, your mannequin that has yes. your name on. I've actually used this recently. Like I've, I've tried to, I looked at the concept I was doing, and I yeah. felt it did it did not it did not feel right when yeah. I did the same pose. As like she's kicking, and I'm like. I would actually twist my body the other way to get some strength into it and then it'd be interesting in all angles. So yeah. I, I tested, first of all, I did the mannequin, the, the female uh, six head or eight heads. I don't remember. Eight, 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 I, yeah. Yeah. I did that because it's hero, hero. Yeah. I did the one that was from the concept and then I saw that it didn't work. And then I did the way I thought it would be. Cause usually if I see a pose, I'll, I'll act it out like, like a crazy person. And then <laughs> I showed it to the concept artist and I said, you know, I see it more this way. And he said like, yeah, you're right. Go for it. So I think there a great go. way to, to test something out is not to jump into trying to pose your character right away, but to test it out first. That's great. That's a great point. Thanks for reminding me. Cause yeah, that's yeah. been, it's in there. It's in ZBrush. It's under Lightbox, and it's actually a project. So I actually I go in, and as soon as I'm done, I save them as ZTL, so I can bring them in for posing. Yeah, yeah. But it's not too different than what Ofer created. Ofer created the humans. He just wasn't thinking artistic proportions. Yeah, that's cool. How does a day work for you where you actually have time 
for it? Like, how do you manage the schedule to help you be able to work on these things? Because I've been working a lot lately and, you know, that's hard. It's hard on the family sometimes. Yeah, it's a million dollar question. Yeah. I'm sorry to say, but you probably know the answer already. It's the lack of sleep is when everybody's... (laughs) I think you're right. Everybody's asleep. You have maybe two precious, precious hours for your own stuff. Uh, that's true. Ain't that the <laughs> truth? That's funny. You know, it's like um, everybody says, how do, you, how do you live a balanced life? How do you get it yeah. together? And I'm like, number one, you throw balance out the window. Yeah. Overrated. <laughs> if yeah. you want to achieve something, you know, you, you don't achieve it with balance, at least mm-hmm. not in my experience. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's cool to hear you say. I don't think people are always like, well, you know, I do this and I have a routine. But really, at the end of the day, it's like you just work at night. And you have your weekends, like when you can. It's you really have to love it. It's in my DNA, and I think it's in yours too. So it's yeah. it's it's like what we were meant to be. Well, you know, along those lines, in terms yeah. of this industry, you know, there's some legitimate gripes, and I think some people talk about unionizing and and things like that. And I'm from my background, I'm not necessarily a fan of unions, but it's just because I haven't seen them work positively in like the retail and you know some of the places where I experienced it which were yeah you know really small yeah so so I don't know a ton about it but this industry can be a little rough and one of the things I tell my students is is if if the primary thing you need is a job you don't go into this industry like if that's mm-hmm. the if you need to be you need to be employed in 6 months I I know exactly what you're supposed to do you're supposed to go take a programming boot camp and you will have a job in 6 months yeah. Everybody I know who has done that has got the job in six months. Yeah, you're right. I'm just thinking of, I heard Brian Cranston in an interview say one day, if I wasn't a successful TV movie star, I'd be living with five other guys and make like, plays at night and make nothing. Like You kind of have to go with that purpose of like really loving it. Ah, I love that. That's great. Because basically what he's saying is, is, I'd be doing this anyways. I'm just yeah. successful. That's or right. not successful yet. <laughs> That's <know>? right. <laughs> That's great. So yeah. the key thing is, is you just have to love it. This has to be, because, you know, there is jobs that you're guaranteed employment. Yeah. I mean, I'm surrounded. I'm here in Orange County up in Laguna Beach. I'm, you know, I'm surrounded by real estate agents and finance geeks. And, you know, they all have some good, strong job security. Yeah. But I couldn't do that job. I'd go nuts. The thing is, like, I, I had one year experience in the States and California. So it's a bit different than in Montreal. Like in Montreal, mm. I have to say it's a booming industry. And, you know, there's people who have been working for Ubisoft for 20 years. Yeah, totally. And it, it's, it's very stable and there's, there's a lot of work. And I saw when I went to California that it's not the case everywhere. Like, Sometimes you, and that's because of government subsidies and stuff like this. But when I was in California, uh, you know, the game was, uh, we had three months to ship a game. And if it, it didn't work, it didn't work. It imploded. And I saw people who worked in the industry for 10 years and never shipped a, a game. Like that's, that's, that's really hard. That's pretty intense. Yeah. yeah. That's in Montreal. Or no, do you mean in, in California? Oh, right. Because they're going from one project to another that's project right. and it's that's all right. failing. That's right. Yeah, that's tough. And there was a guy who worked on Indiana Jones and then mm. a couple of months before Uncharted came out and just you know, it threw everything off balance. It, it's, it's really tough. So mm. 
I'm not the best to tell you about like how the industry should go because we're very blessed in Montreal. Well, and you you have to tell your students that maybe Montreal is a a place to go if 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 there's a company who wants you. That sounds great. I mean, the best yeah. steak I've ever had is at the Keg right there in Montreal. <laughs> <laughs> That's funny. I used to stay at the hotel right above there when I trained at yeah. Ubisoft. Tell me next time you're coming, we'll, we'll have a beer. Uh, sounds good. I love that place. Oh my god, <laughs> I can remember that taste now. <laughs> All right. So along those lines, let's say in Montreal, what made you kind of go off on on your own? Because you're not in a, I mean, Chaos Masons is is large, big company, but I don't know if it has the stability of Ubisoft or something like that. What makes you, you know, choose to work in, you know, an outsourcing or a freelance? What would you guys call Chaos? Because I'm, it's not an it's, outsourcing, but it's called that by some companies. Yeah. It's an outsourcing company. Okay. That, I, that I think of. Oh, well, I can tell you like that in, like I'm in my late thirties and I made some two, two really unsafe, tough choices recently was to leave everything for California to go work yeah. uh, in a new company. Yeah. And the second one was to work with chaos. So I, uh, I was at Ubisoft. We were shipping Far Cry 5. Uh-huh. Everything was great. Yeah. And then I had that lunch that completely changed my life where Marco and Cedric invited me to lunch. I should have, I should have worried something was going to happen. <laughs> and then they, they told me like, we want you to join us. And shit, it's like if like, John and Ringo asked you to be in his new band, like you can't say no to that. Like you have to jump in. Like it's, it's a way to improve yourself. I've been loving their, those guys work for years. Uh, that's awesome. For the young people, I that was a reference to the Beatles. <laughs> Who's that? <laughs> yes. My kids know the Beatles, but it's, it's in the kids programming now. Okay, cool. Yeah, and Marco and Cedric have been around for a long time. It always amazes me how much of their own work they get, they produce, and they yeah. run this yeah. crazy productive company. I've met them at IDOS. Their, their speed is, uh, even after working two years with them, is still uh, mind-boggling. I mm. still don't get it. I, I still don't know. I don't know. I worked next to Marco and I, I didn't believe it. <laughs> He's a golden child. He's going to be I'll, happy to hear that. Yeah. <laughs> I'll address all my emails to him as dear golden child. Okay. <laughs> uh. That's awesome. All right, Guillaume, thank you so much for taking the time and uh, for being here. Oh man, I, I prepared so many things that we didn't get to. Oh, amazing! Yeah. <laughs> we went completely a different route. I love it. That's my that's my habit. <laughs> Can I have like five minutes to for yeah. the show to say the very smart things I wrote down? Yes, <laughs> yes, please. <laughs> that's hilarious. Yeah. Okay, I think we're all just waiting to hear the very smart things. Okay. There you go. Well, it's just I'm trying to give back. So there's references yes. that are really good that people can look into. Okay, good. Yes. I think anything Andrew Loomis. Andrew Loomis was amazing. Great draftsman. Anatomy rules. Like he made a lot of books. And like we were talking before about learning about our peers or people who were before us. So Andrew mm-hmm. Loomis, great. There's a great book called Drawing People. By Barbara Bradley. In there, she goes through like a science of folds, or not science, but through like uh, 
families that fold. So on top of my head, there's a zigzag fold, drum mm-hmm. fold, diaper fold. So when you're, you know, it's kind of hard to look at a concept or a reference and like trying to, I just, I don't know, picture what, which fold you should do. With yeah. those, you go like zigzag is on a tubular, tubular, cylindrical aspect where it usually bends a lot. So the back of your, your jeans. So zigzag, back of the jeans. Okay. You got that. Uh, Aflock is where a uh, uh, tubular changes direction. So mm. the elbows, everything like that. It's great. The Dota 2 art direction dock with people who made skin. And there's great, great information there about colors and form is also great. And then the golden child again, Marco Pluff <laughs> made a, a WASP tutorial, W-A-S-P. It's big robot. He shows like true is, uh, is sculpting. Oh yeah. This he one shows this. all his secrets. Maybe if you were going to ask me about advice to give your students, it's about like purpose, Absolutely. question yourself and like, my question with you is, you know, all the, the advent of scans and marvelous, like everything's becoming automated, mm-hmm. but you still have to understand how it works. Like you can't just press a button. The computer will never do the work for you. The same way with like substance, you, it's not because you can make something completely dirty that everything should always be dirty. If that makes sense. Yeah, it does. And it's one of the big issues that we deal with, you know, is just making sure that the the damage or the surface is, is usage appropriate, you know? Yeah. Okay. Those advice are a bit out there too. And you probably haven't heard, well, maybe you did, but you should cultivate other interests of yours other than 3D and video games. Mm. And this is what actually is going to give you a personal flavor. And that's how you're going to own your own work. If it's sports or architecture, you need to be curious and somehow this love of yours, you will introduce in your own work. Like me, I've, I've discovered dancing and that gave me a sense of self, of, of a balance and a weight shift. And yeah. also it gave me like, uh, it made me more uh, confident into approaching people. So yeah, that's my that's, story. That's a great point. A couple of people have, have echoed that, including like, taking piano, learning something new, Mm -hmm. you know, and deep diving just to take your brain out of, because it can be kind of tunnel vision because we have so much we have to learn and so much we have to do. Yeah. There's painting over your work, which I started to do recently. Mm -hmm. You don't need to be a great 2D artist, but taking a screenshot of your ZBrush model, putting it next to your concept, and then just pushing the forms that's a great way to like find new ideas and to also like, you know, 3D is very precious because everything is, is, you know, has to be nice in every angle. And you know about that cheekbone, like people like to see a very sharp uh, cheekbones on the three quarter view, but that's, that's hard to get in every aspect. So when you look at it and you draw on top of it and you, you push your anatomy and you, you break everything a bit, you, you just make it more more emotional and vibrant. And then you try to adapt this to your model. All right, Guillaume, thank you so much. And absolutely wonderful meeting you and talking to you. You're Say hello, Marco. I will. All right, take care. I'll kiss the ring. Thank you, bye. <laughs> kiss the ring. <laughs> please do, please do. <laughs> all right, thanks guys for joining. See you all.
All right, thank you so much for taking the time out to listen to this. And I want to ask just two things of you. Number one, make sure to leave a comment or rank this wherever you are listening to it on Apple, uh, Stitcher, Spotify. Really makes a difference in helping us get the word out about this industry and about what we do. Number two, make sure you visit vertexschool.com to learn more about what programs we offer in this area as a creative and for artists who are looking to jumpstart their career and discover a new industry. Again, thank you so much for listening. We're accepting applications right now, so I look forward to hearing from you soon.